welcome to Showing Up with your hosts Babs and Eve. We are back! After a few weeks off, we're back and feeling fresh and we have a brand new format to keep us showing up for ourselves in our personal lives, professional lives and our podcast. We're excited that this new format will allow us to show up more for our audience and the wider world as well. So what's changed? So the challenge portion of the podcast has found a new home as bonus content. Um, So it's still a big part of what we're doing. Um, We're just not going to be talking about it every week. So once a month, there'll be a bonus episode uh, in which we set out the challenge and discuss the previous month's challenge and how it went. Um, You can follow us on Instagram because we'll actually be uploading on our Instagram now. So that's at showing at Babs Eve. And you can check in every week with how we're doing. But yeah, we'll be able to dedicate more time to the challenge without it cutting into us chitty-chatting and having a nice time. Yeah, because what we love most is being able to chat to each other and with you about what we're interested in and passionate about. So this will be taking center stage from now on. So we'll be chatting about film, television, music, literature, internet culture and wider issues each week. We will be theming some episodes so we can explore topics or events more in depth. And we will be letting you know what those are going to be in advance. Yeah, so you can um, plan ahead. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to listen to us or not. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And if there's things that you think we would be interested in, you can let us know before the podcast recording. But yeah, so this week's going to be a bit of a sort of reintroduction back into things as getting back into the flow of it after being off for a couple of weeks. Um, But next week, we will have theme. In our bonus episode, we'll be talking about the challenge for April. So Babs has set this one. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a little bit stressful, but fun, little pushes. Um, We're going to be making a short film every week. Um, We'll talk about it more in the bonus episode, but make sure you go and listen to that if you're interested. And as always, you can join us on our challenge um, and let us know. But yeah, head over there after this to find out more. So let's begin. So yes, welcome back. I'm glad to be doing this again after a couple of weeks off. How have you been? What have you been up to? Hello, Eve. (laughs) Nice to see you again. (laughs) Thank you. It's been so long. (laughs) It's been so long. (laughs) Uh, Well, these past couple of weeks, I've actually been really swamped with work. I have barely had any time for personal life, (laughs) which is just really bad and it's really showing that I haven't got clear boundaries around work and what I accept to do and what I don't accept to do so uh, definitely I definitely need to show up for myself in at work so Mm. yeah that's what's been happening and then I had Easter and then I was able to actually get out of the house for like a day which was so lovely (laughs) so I went bike riding in Copacabana which was really nice sounds so exotic doesn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) just a regular day (laughs) um but yeah it's uh god it was so nice the break that I needed uh and then I've just actually started watching a film every day so yeah I could kind of try to understand filmmaking a bit more and get into storytelling and you know just prepare myself for 
you know, mm, my masters. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. I got accepted into a master's in directing. Um, I don't know if I should say where. Is it too, too much? You, want, you can if you want. I to. don't know. I don't know. It will be a surprise. Maybe eventually <laughs> I will say. I'll keep it secret surprise. for now. Yeah, surprise. but it's <laughs> And we'll be reunited again, which is very exciting. We will. That is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I've got something to look forward to when October comes around, which is when the mass starts. And yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, um, prime my skills as much as I can and get it going. And that's why I've also set this challenge for April of making like a short film each week, which is a challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's on the bonus episode. So go check it out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's all I've been up to really. What about you, Eve? What's, what's been going on? Similar in some ways and different in many others. The most exciting thing I did. <laughs> no Copacabana. <laughs> yeah. Most exciting place I've been to is London, which actually is very exciting. Oh, it is. Um, so my brother's moved back to his flat now in London, now that lockdown is lifting slowly. So we took a drive down on bank holiday Monday um, to drop him off. And it was very exciting. Yeah, really exciting. Aww. Went to a service station. Uh, which was like the first public place I've been to in many, many months. And I oh genuinely got an adrenaline rush. I was like, oh <laughs> God. <laughs> like, genuinely, I was like, this is amazing. I love it. So that was really fun. Um, but other than that, to be honest, actually, I would say, oh, it's all just been normal. It's not. I've actually been very, very disorganized the last couple of weeks. I'm having to reorientate myself and reorganize. So my teaching is now finished uh, for university for my master's. So no more formal seminars no more readings no more having to watch films I would never choose to watch <laughs> Avengers um <laughs> instead of films maybe you'll I watch think. it again this week oh god I could <laughs> it's, it's too long it's like two hours um over two hours um but yeah so that's finished now which means that I don't actually regularly have anything to actually do which means that my time is completely my own now so I need to definitely put in some power hour practice mm. right back um to reorganize myself um so part of that's I've actually got rid of social media um and it's not happened in like a I need to do this because I'm sick of myself but in a very much like you know actually I'm wasting so much time just scrolling through my phone I mean we were talking about this the other day I the habit of just picking up my phone unlocking it and scrolling is like literally all I need I need like some app to just do it with just give my phone something to do um but yeah so I've ditched Instagram just the app and Facebook um again just the app I've still got them but I just won't be they won't be as easily accessible to me in the hope that I just stop wasting time and start doing things because I actually do have lots of lovely things lined up I'm hoping to do some sound work, which is very exciting with someone I went to university with. Um, and I've not done that in many years. So that's really good stuff that I want to make sure I'm giving my time to. And I'll be doing my dissertation, uh, obviously the podcast. And I might be going back to work end of April. So I want to get some good habits formed. Um, but yeah, that's what's been going on with me. The tortoises, I have, uh, my grandma has some tortoises. They're now awake from hibernation, which was big news. We've, uh, they've been hibernating since October and they're awake and they are well. 
Um, but the British weather is like wreaking havoc with what we're used to. It's been Ooh, the tortoises. Hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because once they're up, they're up, and they are ready to eat and get their uh-huh. systems going again. But when it's cold, it's not hot enough for them to start moving properly and eating. So it's been it's been difficult. I've rambled enough, um, but I'm good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> thanks for asking. <laughs> We've got a new section on our podcast which is part of this new reformatting of it mm-hmm. um and it is things that have stood out this week and it's anything from news stories observations you know funny stories that you've heard social media or anything really trending that you're like oh really keen to talk about mm-hmm. or us too i mean you can talk about it you can send us a message and talk <laughs> about it and we can maybe say it on a podcast um so I'd love to know what has stood out for you this week. I know you've just chatted loads about what, how <laughs> your week's been, yeah. but like, let me know what have you been up to because there's been Easter and like, where has your mind gone off to? Yeah. So um, I was having to think about this and I feel like because I've been, my mind's just been like, I've just been rolling along, not really thinking about stuff too much. I couldn't actually really think of much that stood out this week. I was like, hmm concerning um I've been trying to like look at the news less as well just because when I've not got Instagram turns out I scroll through BBC news which isn't good because you constantly it's just something to scroll isn't it yeah, yeah literally something to distract myself um but I had to think and as you said it's been Easter and so this was my first vegan Easter I'm not fully vegan yet but uh I am going to be um very soon I can feel it I'm so nearly there um but Ooh. I've lovingly called it baby's first vegan easter um because it's very exciting and i didn't want to make it sound like i'm being too like oh my god like good for you um (laughs) but yeah so it's my first easter milk free and animal product free in terms of chocolate um and i was thinking about it and it's actually like it was quite easy for me um this easter obviously i don't buy myself chocolate for easter but like everywhere is still doing plant-based vegan stuff so mns did a fantastic aubergine shaped Easter egg called an egg, oh, pl- uh, egg Easter egg plant, which was hilarious because my mum was like, doesn't the emoji like mean something? And I was like, yeah, it's a penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm rambling a little bit now. But yeah, what I wanted to ask you was, because obviously you've been vegan a lot longer than I have, and I am very nearly there. And what I'm going to talk about, which is the Seaspiracy documentary, is definitely going to kick me over the line. Um, (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But it made me kind of think, because this has been a conscious effort for about a year. So I've always been pescatarian, um, gone through phases of not eating fish and being vegetarian. And then as things have progressed and rolled on, I've kind of really wanted to be conscious of cutting out all animal products can't justify it for myself like milk can't have that anymore I think for dietary reasons my body's now like just can't digest it so naturally Mm -hmm. it was a lot easier for me to just be like yeah I'm not going to have any milk eggs make me feel gross um the whole kind of thing makes me just think yeah so I'm nearly there but as I said you've been vegan a lot longer than I have so I kind of wanted to ask like how is it for you now like for me I'm like woo nearly there and you're like this is my life so um so yeah like what's it like for you now is it a thing that you think about or is it a thing you're like proud of like is it just or is it just you 
It's just me. It's just part of my life now. You know, I've been vegan since 2012 and two years before that I became vegetarian. So it was like just normal for me, Mm. not eating animals. And to be honest, since I was little, I was like a bit grossed out by meat. Mm. Um, But then um, it's just become second nature, really. It doesn't really feel like a conscious choice. Um, And it just feels like it is who I am. It's just, I just, don't deviate from that because Mm. there's no reason to do it Mm. um but really like the what happened for me to to go from vegetarianism to veganism was just like a switch in my brain you know Mm. I was getting more and more grossed out about you know eggs and supporting the industry that you know uh, the egg industry and the milk Mm. industry Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing. And I also watched a documentary. I don't know which one it was. And then it was almost like a, a, a light switch flicked. And I was like, I cannot support this anymore. Yeah. And it was like this change of belief system within me that didn't allow me to, to eat it anymore. So yeah. it's uh, so I essentially, essentially began, began to gross myself out of certain foods. I would make sure that I knew exactly what I was eating and how it was made before I'd eat it. And I'd ask myself, like, am I okay with this? Am, am mm. I okay with supporting this? And if I wasn't, then I wouldn't eat it. And well, the answer was I wasn't. So <laughs> yeah. I became a vegan. And so for me, it took a change in my belief system to feel truly aligned with the choice of being vegan. So, you know, you hear a lot of vegans that do veganism for a year and then stop and find it really hard and for me it's just mm. like it was just a it's just who I am it's just my beliefs now so there's no reason for me to go back it's just yeah. I don't support it eating meat or anything that comes from animals so you know for me it's just a no-brainer and yeah. I know a lot of people around me don't understand it and I think they have a bigger issue around it than me yeah. but I'm just like yeah. I don't care it's just who I am I don't know yeah that's interesting but it seems to, yeah. but I did feel the, like this rise in like motivation to be vegan like you were saying that you you're feeling like you're almost there yeah you're almost at this like light like yeah. switch yeah um and I, I did feel that when I was a vegetarian it was like this build-up towards being vegan yeah, and then this like... one certain event just changes your mind and changes yeah. your beliefs and then yeah. after that you can go ahead and do it yeah but you gotta want it you can't do it force forcefully so yeah and I think this it's interesting as well because I think a lot of things like veganuary like mm. it's it's like positive in some ways but very negative in others because it's seen as like a diet or like a, yeah. oh lose weight be vegan which is completely unsustainable because everyone knows that generally diets and diet culture like subscribing to something just wouldn't work for you but but yeah it's weird like it is interesting because I remember it's just I've, I've just remembered remember when you came to stay with me and we went to um like a little cafe when we went on a walk and we had soup and it was it said it was vegan right it said it was just or it, or it just said it was like carrot soup it was just soup there wasn't like cream of anything or it was just soup and it came and I remember you didn't have the butter on the bread and it was just like whatever and at this point I was like still very much just pescatarian wasn't really thinking about it too much um and I remember afterwards you were like there was definitely cream in that 
I remember you were saying you were like you could taste it in your mouth and you just felt really like sick and at the time I was like oh that's like really weird and I was like I, you know like I thought like oh that's bad that they should have said that I remember just thinking like I can't imagine like being that like sensitive to something being in something but now I'm like completely the same like it's so weird it's like an instant thing of like because mm. you were like I'm sure I'm sure there is and I was like I don't think so I don't, I don't, you I can't don't. tell yeah. yeah yeah but now it's like it's so true and I, I kind of like it like it's nice I feel like good like I've tuned myself in now to it yeah um so it felt yeah because nice. people like so people like yeah people like to judge you and think oh she's just being picky but no you can actually tell there's like this flavor difference if you're not yeah. if you're not had something for like eight years you're gonna freaking tell <laughs> yeah. like you, you you know when it's there yeah when something's off yeah yeah but um yeah it was interesting so I when you were saying that you like you watch something so I started watching like I've kind of avoided all what did I watch I think the last thing I watched that kind of touched on the subject of like the meat industry was Super Size Me 2 which we talked about you know, a couple of podcasts ago and they were showing like he was like raising chickens and stuff and like we said we were like we don't feel like we need to actively watch that like we're pretty educated on the system the industry um and I've kind of never watched like Cowspiracy or um, any of those kinds of documentaries. I've kind of always just avoided them because I thought like, I've seen like little videos and I've seen enough for me to be like, my imagination can like fill in the blanks of what this is. Um, and I don't approve of it. But Seaspiracy came out and I feel like that is something that I know, it was, I know it was number one in Netflix in the UK for quite a while. Um, and I saw that a lot of people were talking about it. But for anyone that hasn't seen heard of it it's basically it's a netflix documentary well it's a documentary that's on netflix um and it's about the fishing industry basically and uh, it touches on the issues of plastic and um all of the basically the death of the ocean that is occurring very rapidly because of um the fishing industry and all of the illegal fishing that's taking place and just like the whole massive issue that I feel like is not something that everyone is fully aware of and there was a lot of things that I was like wow okay yeah did not understand the extent of that and I've always eaten fish um and gone through phases of like being comfortable with it like not being comfortable with it stopping starting again stopping starting again but kind of justifying it to myself like I need the protein um or like fuck it I like the taste and you know just like going through these things um but I've watched it and I was like, I cannot justify like anything. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting because I was talking to my brother about it and I was saying like, cause he, that's it. He, the reason I heard of it was because he said that his friends had watched it and texted him and said, okay, that's it. Like, I feel like I can never eat fish again after watching that. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, like, I don't need to watch it. Like, I'm good. Like I get it. But watching it, I'm really pleased I did. And say so watching it, I've watched half of it. The other half, like I don't, I don't want to watch because I have a feeling it's going to like ramp up to seeing lots more dolphin and whale death and all that kind of stuff that I just think I think I've seen enough now for me to just be like okay yeah I'm yeah I cannot I support do it anymore yeah. I can't do it anymore um but yeah I, I would recommend it to people like you've not seen it have you I've not no. no it's interesting in terms of like I think you'd find all of the facts the stuff that I found interesting like the statistics and the facts and they talk a lot to like dolphin safe companies that tell people that tuna's dolphin safe or like line court or ethical in some way um 
and they uncover a lot of the actual statistics around that so like even with like a line caught or like dolphin safe like tuna they're saying like for every like eight tuna there's like 40 dolphins that get get caught and that's technically still dolphin safe um oh god and it's just like yeah you just cannot trust you cannot trust anything um but it was mm. interesting when my brother was talking to me about it because i said oh i've started watching it and he was like oh what so you're not going to eat any fish ever again and i was like i just couldn't justify it like the industry and he was like what so say you're like down in cornwall and the local fishmongers supply a fish and chip shop like you wouldn't even eat that fish and he and you know and then we started talking about if I had my own like small holding like farm and I had my own chickens and I had my own cow would I have milk and eggs because I'm not supporting the industry I'm just being sustainable and it's such an interesting debate because you're like well technically I guess there's not really anything unethical about that because you're in control of what you're no, doing there isn't yeah but it's the industry and I feel like you yeah. as people we have to draw a line under supporting an industry and only you can only do that like with your feet basically like if less people are having it less people there's less demand and then people have to think oh shit like what are we going to do about it but I'm going on off a massive rant but um it's interesting yeah it is and in regards to to like if you had your own cow you don't really need milk no exactly all the milk that you need was from your mama and exactly. you've grown out and you're <laughs> having milk from a different mammal that has a different genetic code and Oof. it doesn't make any sense it just doesn't make sense no. so I just feel like milk is senseless really and pointless if you can have alternative milk as well so yes like, yeah like yeah. what's the point did you um, see that just just on that that um you know Oatly the oat milk brand they posted a bit of a campaign about how in the UK so I don't know if it's EU or just the UK but now there's legislation that's going to be brought in that they're not allowed to say milk on their oh containers so any so it's crazy they're like pissed you can tell anyone who has like a plant alternative to milk like oat or almond or soy or whatever they're not going to be allowed to put milk or like any any word of for for milk on it They'll have to say oh, drink. Must be, oh my god, there must be like strong lobbying yeah. from these industries from the dairy. To stop yeah. Them. yeah, yeah. So they're not. So you're not yeah. even allowed to say to someone who maybe wouldn't think about it. Oh, I'll give that a try instead because it's basically milk. They're going to make it seem like it's something that's like an extra, like a, oh, I'll have my oat drink, please. Yeah, it's like it doesn't make any sense. But I just think that's it's just such a massive problem, um, and it's made me quite stressed this week. Like it's just, really? been, yeah, like watching it. That's probably why I didn't watch all of it because you just feel this sudden like punch to be like, this needs to change. This is not okay. This is horrible. The oceans are dying. I'm not happy about this. But then mm. actually there's not really anything you can do. Like me not eating fish isn't really going to change anything. Obviously word of mouth is important because you can spread it and people can listen and whatever. But it just causes a lot of anxiety. Like I know people yeah, it does. literally like watch something and like panicked so much that they've like completely like quit their job and like changed everything, which is what I felt like doing. I was Googling, I was like, right, where can I, what can I do? Greenpeace? Like, <laughs> like I need a job clearing up ocean plastic. Like I need to do something. <laughs> I was like, there isn't anything. Um, but this is, I've, I've listened to a live event or something on Green, 
on Greenpeace, on Greenpeace's Facebook page. And they was talking about anxiety and, you know, um, and depression just being by being an activist, like mm-hmm. the amount of anxiety you get because you see so much that needs changing and nothing changes. Yeah. And you're fighting these, these big industries that have a, a shite ton of money and a bunch of lobbying and politics aligned with them and you can't really change it you know? yeah stressful but it's a thing apparently it's a thing so it's normal Eve. Yeah, good <laughs> good yeah but um but yeah so I guess that's kind of what's been consuming my mind thinking it's my body you know how we were saying your body just somehow knows when it's been like a year of doing something um so yeah I guess it's been kind of like a year of me being like nearly there <laughs> um and seaspiracy came at the perfect time for me to just be like you know what no can't justify it to myself anymore wouldn't feel comfortable justifying it to anyone else um and that's where I stand but yeah so that's that's me mm-hmm. has there been anything else that's stood out thank you for telling me about your veganism because that's just generally oh, you're welcome it's nice to know because I feel like it's something that we've never really talked about like since we've met no I guess we've it's just kind of accepted yeah yeah I think. yeah yeah well, this week, uh, Alexei Navalny, or however you say this freaking name. <laughs> I can't help you. He's Russian. <laughs> I, d- I don't know. I don't speak Russian. Uh, so it's Alexei Navalny's poisoning and the rest by Putin and the Russian government. Uh, so for those who don't know, Alexei is a Russian lawyer uh, who in 2006 started a blog where he wrote about the corruption going on in Russia but, you know, he wouldn't just write posts about his opinion with, like, nothing to back it up. He would actually show evidence to his opinions and show documents with evidence of oil schemes, land deals and fraud at state-owned banks by Russian oligarchs and politicians. And it was really interesting that Alexei was able to say all these things on the internet because one of the first things Putin did when he got into power in the 90s was that he took control of the media mm-hmm. and then he made it state-owned so nobody could, you know, badmouth him. And then he took down the oligarchs that refused to make deals with him. And then he began manipulating the elections and then the law so he could effectively be in power for as long as he wanted. Um, but the thing Putin didn't really monitor was the growth of the internet and, you know, <laughs> self-funded media and self-owned media, such as, you know, blogs and YouTube. And, you know, where evidence of Putin's corruption could circulate. So Navalny was, you know, the main organizer of protests against Putin and voter fraud in 2011. And that's kind of when he started speaking out to the media about it you know, international media about it because state television just completely ignored the protest and the state arrested over a thousand people in this this protest. And Putin just kind of ignored that the protests existed. And in 2013, Alexei ran for mayor of Moscow. Um, State police wouldn't give him the airtime so he'd have to make his own campaigns either on the internet via you know crowdfunding and all of that and so it was a bit harder for him to get around to people so he relied on word of mouth and that sort of thing but obviously then he was charged for embezzlement uh so he wouldn't be able to you know get into power 
And so he lost the election because of this timely charge against him. Um, he continued to expose the corruption that was going on in Russia and by Putin on his YouTube channel and kept running for office. And this time uh, he ran for president. I think it was 2015. And then he was again charged for embezzlement. And so he couldn't run. <laughs> Um, so after this, Navalny urged people, instead of him running himself, because he knew he was going to be stopped again, um, so he urged people to vote against Putin, just choose one candidate to, to vote, and whoever that was, it was better than voting for Putin. So, so he called this smart voting. So in September of 2020, Navalny was you know, giving talks in Siberia to promote his smart voting system to people. Uh, when on a plane back to Moscow, he was poisoned. And luckily, the plane took a detour in Omsk. Omsk I don't know. Omsk. Omsk. <laughs> yeah. Omsk. I don't know. Where Alex was able to get medical treatment from paramedics for what had happened. Um, and it appeared that he was poisoned by this poison called Nov- Novichok. Novichok. And, but apparently, in the hospital, uh, in Russia, the doctors were telling the media that he was in perfect health and everything was fine. And the paramedics were like, I'm sure he was poisoned. So, like, <laughs> they gave him the antidote and everything. So, that's how he survived. God. And the funny thing is, also, his clothes disappeared from the hospital in Russia. So, that was weird, right? Mm-hmm. And so, to get further treatment, he had to go over to Germany, right? Mm-hmm. But then months later, in December, Alexei started, you know, investigating his poisoning um, by tricking a secret agent who poisoned him into revealing how he did it. So there's a video on the Internet where Alexei is talking to this secret agent and just he's just exposing everything. And, you know, the secret agent kept asking, like, "Uh, are you sure I can say all these things on the phone? He was like, yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> yeah, literally. <It's> okay. <laughs> um, the commandant wants to know, which is Putin. So he was saying it. Really interesting. Um, and then in January, Navalny returned to Russia to show that he wasn't afraid of Putin. And he was charged with violating the parole from his 2014 embezzlement case. While detained his team released a video or a documentary really detailing the corruption network putin had built for himself and the billions of rubles spent on the construction of his palace for putin so putin has this humongous palace in the middle of nowhere but i'll get into that later on (laughs) but after the video was released his supported his supporters flooded the streets in over 100 cities across russia and a few days later, Navalny was sentenced to two years and eight months in prison, sparking even more protests. And police uh, have arrested now more than 5,000 people. But, you know, state police have downplayed the whole scenario, the whole situation. And Navalny is now in prison, incarcerated, and he declared a hunger strike last week because he had been denied a visit from a personal doctor for growing numbness and pain in his back and legs that had made it very difficult for him to walk. 
He's also lost a bunch of weight and he has a strong cough and a temperature of 38 degrees Celsius. So what his lawyer said. Yeah. In a letter published on Monday, I think it's, I don't know which Monday that was, sorry. (laughs) It was a Monday. It was a Monday, on a Monday. (laughs) On a Monday, beginning of the week. (laughs) Navalny wrote that three inmates in his ward had been taken to hospital recently for tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Cannot speak. And he joked that if he had contracted the disease, it could distract him from from the pain in his back and the numbness in his legs. You know, and hours later, pro Kremlin newspaper reported he had been moved to a sick ward and tested for coronavirus, among other diseases. So it appears I have a suspicion that he's going to pass away. No. That he's going to, I don't know, something's going to happen to him. And they're not going to treat him well or something that's going to, and it's going to lead him to his death. Because, you know, if they've poisoned him already, what's stopping them from killing him? nothing yeah um so interesting but his team continues to work so they could still continue to expose and gather up more people to make more protests and i just think this whole situation is really interesting and it really shows how much the government oh just sorry how much the world is governed by people that have loads of money and how money circulates among the rich and the family of the rich and really interesting yeah I, I mean I when I saw that you were writing about this that's why I was like haha very interesting because it's one of those things that quite I don't know ignorantly I was like sore and I was like oh that's bad but then like never followed up on looked it any further yeah. into it yeah so I saw like the headlines and I was like hmm, doesn't seem right people seem quite angry about this um but like just never I was like coronavirus um so I just sort of <laughs> never like looked into it that much and I didn't realize how long this had been going on for this is awful because I mean I'm very familiar with like Novichok and everything because of what happened over here um with the whole poisoning thing um so I was like aware of that and whatever and like what had happened before with that other like spy and whatever but this I guess this is the first time this is someone that isn't a government spy that they've not been employed to be involved this is someone that's like whistleblowing I guess and it is shocking that that Putin's just like I don't care I'm untouchable like this like it's I can't remember when it was oh we were watching a program Frankie Boyle went to Russia before the World Cup and they like re-showed the episodes. We'd not seen them and he was over there in Russia and whatever. And I was just like, how long, I was like, how long has Putin been president for? Like, this is he crazy. Just... And I knew that he'd like changed everything so that there was like no limit. Like there's no like two term limit or whatever. Um, but it's awful. Like, it's just so worrying. Like at mm-hmm. least there's no Trump anymore. But like, you just think like, this clearly shows disregard for human life disregard for the truth just like unstoppable power it's yeah terrifying i just wrote that that the oligarchs are just a bunch of you know psychopaths (laughs) yeah it's weird because it it gives russia such a bad name like you you know you think that there are people like us living in russia who are anti all of it and like I've seen a couple of the documentaries that were made, like when Reggie Yates went over to look at like the homophobia and the gay people that were living over there and how difficult it was, difficult is an understatement, how scary and terrifying and awful it was for them. 
um and you just think it must be it must be hideous because it just like when when you have no control over who you vote for but you're judged on who who's voted into power you're like instantly dismissed like mm-hmm. by the rest of the world almost unless you're less like you're looking into it further you just think oh god here we, here we go again like they clearly love him they clearly mm-hmm. think that this is great they're happy with how things are but it's like obviously so not the case and we're lucky that we've got someone like Alexei um who's doing that but it's scary it takes it takes some some courage to to go against that yeah and yeah it's the consequences of it are being shown right now <laughs> just yeah. prosecution of alexei it's yeah it's just um it just shows you the consequences of standing up to this massive dictator i guess <laughs> yeah i mean it's basically right yeah like a diplomatic yeah. dictator it's like well it's technically diplomatic what's going on but like also well diplomatic because he changed not. other laws yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? But you'll see what his forces, what his resources are being put into mm. later on when I say what I've been watching. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, good. This is great. Okay. Yeah. Not only it's awful, <laughs> but like good for me because this is like education. You're going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Eve, what have you been watching this week or listening to or reading? Because mm, we're well, still continuing on with this section. We are because it's just fun and we're good at it we're good at talking about this I enjoy it it's it's mm-hmm. fun to like be critical what I wanted to talk about first was the British psychological horror which came out in 2019 uh was well sorry yeah came out in 2019 but was actually only available in the UK from October last year um because it was weird because I was like 2019 like I swear I've been waiting for this film to come out and it's only just come out um it only came out earlier this year in America so anyway it's called St Maud and it's produced by Film 4 and BFI and Escape Plan Productions. Um, but Film 4 and BFI, I'm always like, you can't really go wrong with those. I feel like they support a lot of films that I'm like, yes, British talent. Um, and it's also directed by a woman, Rose Glass. So it's her first feature length film, her de- directorial debut um, feature length. And um, yeah, so it stars... Moffid Clark, she's Welsh, um, and she plays Maud, and then Jennifer Earle, who plays Amanda. So Maud is a nurse. It's all a bit confusing at the start, all a bit like creepy, what's going on here? But she becomes a private nurse for Amanda, who is an ex-dancer who is terminally ill. So she's basically providing palliative care to Amanda. But yeah, played by Jennifer Earle, who I love. I always forget how good she is. And she also, because <laughs> she played, I think the first thing I saw her in, she was Elizabeth Bennett in the Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice, like the original TV Pride and Prejudice. So every time I see her, I'm like, it's Eliza Bennett. And it's all very <laughs> quaint. Um, but then I'm like, no, no, it's been years. Get over it, Eve. Because um, this role is completely different. Like, whoa. <laughs> Um, I'm explaining this very badly but yeah basically it's fantastic it was distributed by A24 which is how I came to know of it because I love A24 talk about them all the time so they did Hereditary and Midsummer and Moonlight and Ladybird and basically any film of that feels like new a lot of female directors a lot of 
foreign films um or just like stuff that naturally I probably wouldn't choose to watch but because they're just talk. good stories isn't it yeah just good stories and not blockbusters that's not the point yeah yeah, yeah. just like they're committed to like interesting films um yeah so love them um so I saw this and I was like oh my god looks great oh my god it's a24 it's gonna be amazing and it was it was not a letdown at all I'm not gonna hype it up too much because overhyping is the devil um and speaking of devil maybe Maud is too I won't say any more oh my god. Um, <laughs> but yeah so the tagline for the film is I'll say your savior is coming and it, it's chilling the trailers and it lives up to the to the hype and to the ominous kind of loose introduction it's just amazing and I don't want to give anything away I'm not even going to talk about the storyline at all other than that she's a nurse and she goes to look after someone in her end of life care um but she's very religious but I'm not going to say anything more than that it's just fantastic and I've not seen or I have actually seen Morford Clark I think that's how you pronounce her name in uh the personal life of David Copperfield but I didn't realize that it was her but basically for me she was like unknown which I think makes it so much better because when it's like a horror film and it's kind of scary and a bit like oh grubby it's good to not know who the main Mm -hmm. star is because you can kind of there's no like film of oh I need to get through all of the character that they they played before yeah yeah Yeah, like Eliza Bennett um (laughs) so yeah it was it's fantastic and I could not recommend it highly enough it's not too long it's available on Amazon Prime. Um, I mean, you have to pay to rent it. It's not free yet. So it's not on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime, but it's not free to Prime. Um, but obviously you can find it anywhere else. It's Film 4 on BFI. It'll be on BFI Player, no doubt. Um, but yeah, so that's the first thing. Do you want to you wanna talk about your first? Well, I can, yeah. Well, what you said about the character association actually reminded me of the film that I watched recently, which is The, the Dig. Ooh, and, the dig. Uh, and The Dig by Simon Stone. And guess who it's with? Voldemort. Yes. Ralph Fiennes, or however you say his R- name. Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes. Sorry, I, I say it in the more French way. Fiennes. Carrie Mulligan. Pride and Prejudice as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Lily James and Johnny Flynn. Mm-hmm. And this is a 2021 British drama based on the 2007 novel by the same name by John Preston, uh, which reimagines the events of the 1939 excavation of the Sutton Who. <laughs> Sutton Who? Who? <laughs> So the plot goes kind of like this. So in 1939, Suffolk landowner Edith Pretty, who is played by Kerry, uh, hires a local self-taught archaeologist slash excavator called Basil Brown, Voldemort, to tackle the large burial burial bounds, (laughs) to tackle the large burial mounds at her rural estate that she bought just because it had the freaking mounds and she thought there might be something in there um in Sutton who near Woodbridge so working with assistance from her own estate um Brown then slowly excavates the more promising of the mounds that kind of Edith has this kind of feeling towards um 
Brown is astonished to uncover iron rivets from a ship, uh, making it a burial site of someone who of who was very big, such as a king of mm. tremendous distinction back in the day. So either Edith hires her little cousin Rory Lomax to join in the project, and he's a photographer, so he's he starts for photographing the whole process. And news of the discovery soon starts to spread, and lo and behold. Cambridge archaeologist uh, Charles Phillips, who is played by I don't know who, sorry, <laughs> arrives and declares the state to be of national importance and wants to take over the dig in order for the, by the order of the Office of Works. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he wants all the credit. So uh, war is soon approaching because this is like 1939. So war is beginning. And for those of you who don't know, Suffolk has a um what do you call it uh, a military base uh airfield yeah airfield airfield there we go there's a military airfield <laughs> and you throughout the film airplanes are going by and rory lomax also wants to join the military and he wanted to join the pilots uh, to fight in the war um but yeah that's the second plot line going on and yeah, so this archaeologist, Charles Phillips, the Cambridge archaeologist, wants to take over the dig dig, and brings a large team, including Peggy Piggott, the only woman, <laughs> woman right in the now. team. Yeah. Peggy Piggott, I know. <laughs> <laughs> who is the only woman in the team uh, and who actually uncovers the proof that the, the ship is of Anglo-Saxon origin. And Peggy, neglected by her husband, Stuart, begins a romance with Rory, of course, uh, you know, who's soon to be called by the Royal Air Force after war. So it's this big drama. And, you know, so the story unfolds and we find out who, like, the rightful owner of the Stutton who is, if it's Edith or the UK Gov and what happens to it after they excavate it. And... All the while, Edith is facing pressures from her declining health and, you know, Rory's going out out to war and possibly losing his life because all they hear is reports of people losing their lives. And actually a plane falls down and they try to save, falls down on their land and they try to save the pilot, but the pilot is dead. So it increases all of this tension uh, and fear. And you know, the impact that her declining health would have on her son because she has a, a son that is very little. So mm. it's a very good film. It's, um, I think it's just a, a film that you'd watch only once, but it's such, a, it's, it's so beautiful, beautifully shot. Um, it feels like it's almost all shot on a 24 mil lens because it's so wide mm. and you're able to see like, it's all shot on wide. It, there's, I think there's like one close-up or something Mm. but it's just really interesting because you see you know the character on the foreground just having this these feelings and then another one back all the way back having a different story of feelings of blah blah blah. so it's just really interesting how they set all of that up and yeah it's very landscapey I guess being so wide Yeah. yeah There's lots of like golden hour shots, right? It's all like very much. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
it's really nice um but yeah it's just a lovely film to watch and very sad and very well I'm not gonna say anything it's, it's very emotional <laughs> it is it's very very emotional yeah yeah I was gonna say did you cry because I cried I did I was gonna say <laughs> I bowled my ass out I was like trying to contain it because oh my whole family was here in the yeah. kitchen so they would walk through the living room and I'm just like oh look at stop the tears <laughs> yeah it's really good really good I love Johnny um, I like love him like I he because he's a musician and I saw him um many years ago with his band and I've just like I like fell in love with him I was like you're beautiful um <laughs> and then kind of like dropped off a little bit and I was like oh he's an actor now good for him and obviously now he's like in Emma he's in this I was like oh my god like he's official like he's he's gonna I'm gonna see him more which he's is official <laughs> wonderful oh I just love him I think he's got such a gentle way about him whether it's the character as well but mm-hmm yeah oh man heartbreaking oh, heartbreaking I would help that Dory <laughs> <laughs> um but he oh man yeah 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 great film great mm. film. what about you what else have you been watching because I know you've been watching a few things um, what do we got what do we got uh so I want to talk about something I'm listening to actually oh yes Maybe go ahead so can't wait to talk about this um, so I've been listening to Hayley Williams's new album. So it came out in February this year and it's called Flowers for Vases slash Descansos. Des- Descansos. What? Yeah, I don't know what it means. Probably should have Googled what that means. It's the name of one of the songs. So whether it like, mm. it kept auto-correcting it to, to a random other word. So I'm guessing it's, it's obviously, <laughs> it's obviously Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so that's the name of the album available on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, and it's just brilliant. So for anyone that doesn't know, although I feel like everyone must, surely, um, Hayley Williams was the front, or is still, the front person for Paramore, who were a band that I absolutely fell in love with. And Babs, I feel... I did, I totally did. Yeah. 13-year-old me was very into Paramore. Oh, <laughs> love Paramore. Love Paramore. I was I was late to it. I resisted it for some time. I don't know why. I feel like that's just my nature. I was like, Pfft. but I used to, they were on Kerrang! like all, all the time. Um, <laughs> and she was just gorgeous. So I was like, right, okay, this is interesting. And oh, Josh was just beautiful. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I do have a story about Paramore that I need to tell after you, you say. Okay, good. Yeah. Your bit. Remind me. Remind me. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved them went to see them live I went to a signing and I remember I literally ste- like stared so I went to the signing oh my god for Riot and I was like with my friends and oh my god I have the pictures I look like I'm wearing the most ridiculous like emo like high color eyeliner like blue eyeliner like oh god hilarious oh, that's so cool yeah and I queued up and went got to see them and they were all sat there and I was in love with Josh Josh Farrow and I <laughs> I remember they must have been doing it for hours and they had the poster and they were just like going along and Hayley was like really really friendly and she said hi she was like how's it going and she, like she was really chatty but all the guys were just like barely making eye contact and I remember Ugh. being like I've just queued up for this like I'm absolutely not gonna like miss this opportunity and I probably I don't know I don't think it was uncomfortably long and I was a child so it's okay but I just stared at the top of his head while he was signing it 
and I just like looked at him until he like looked up he went oh hi you're right and I was like yeah good thanks <laughs> and I was just like yay I made him look and that was it <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I can go home happy now um but yeah so used to really really love Paramore proper proper fan um of Riot obviously their first album what was their first album was it Emergency was that the, what they all we know all we know oh god yeah loved it I know Shut all them. the lyrics to all the songs <laughs> so good so good um and then I just kind of stopped liking them like I think they I was like had friends I'd fallen out with and there was the association was I don't know um kind of just stopped listening to them was it brand new eyes I think I listened to that a little bit and then I was just like you know what and then obviously the band kind of split up and there was all the controversy over the fact that Hayley had been signed to the record label and the others were kind of just her band and they weren't really given the rights of the others although actually I didn't know this backstory well I just know that Josh left I didn't know why yeah so apparently they and his brother was right yeah yeah Josh and Zach left and they were like drummer guitar like they were like pretty important integral parts because obviously Hayley and Josh went out and that was kind of secret until he left like they kept that very secret it was like are they Ooh, all the teenage girls like I bet they are I know Um, (laughs) I know it's like oh Oh, maybe. Oh, he looked at her and smiled. They must be in love. (laughs) (laughs) Awful. Um, But interestingly, just to jump ahead, um, I'll include the link to the article in the notes, but you should check it out. But The Guardian, um, one of their journalists, did a piece on Hayley Williams. And what's interesting is they kind of mention she was a fan right from Paramore all through to this new album. And she was saying that a lot of the stuff that came out when they left, it was all incredibly misogynistic. And at the time, I completely didn't get any of that. And kind of just like fed into it like this, this journalist was talking about, but this whole kind of, not attack, but this like invalidation of her talents. Like, you know, Hayley was the front runner. She, she, sorry, the front runner. She was the lead singer and she wrote most of the lyrics and songs and she was the person that was carrying it, like whether she chose to or not, really. And then, then there was this kind of undermining of everything that she did when they left. They issued these statements saying like, we're sick of it. We're treated like crap. Like all they care about is Hayley. I'm not in, they're not interested in me and I don't want to do this anymore. And it worked for me because I kind of stopped listening. I was like, oh, well, that's not very authentic. Like, that's really bad. Like, how can she let that happen? That must be really shit for them. And just sort of Mm. fed into the, like, the, like, hype around it. Um, Yeah. So what, for whatever reason, stopped listening. But I guess kind of, like, paid attention a little bit to what they were doing. Um, But anyway, flash forward. So she married one of the guys from newfound glory and they were ma- or they were together i thought like, it was some 41 was is it, it some 41 no it wasn't some 41 that was avril lavigne so, yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was just like wasn't it wasn't it glory um oh my god like walk tall oh like, oh, just that name is bringing me I know. Like, <laughs> oh god uh, good times, good times. That, i'm so i'm so annoyed because you went to see them which is great fantastic <laughs> you had a blast <laughs> i was about to go see <sighs> them so i was it was 2007 it was new year's eve of 2007 and i didn't know this until i was there which which there means new york i was in new york in oh, 2007 yeah. i know her <laughs> internet <bitch. laughs> 
and it was New Year's Eve and I was heading towards Times Square. I was obviously 13, so I was accompanied by my whole family. Mm. So my brother, my auntie, my grandma, my small little cousins. Mm. And I was like, there was a, a mass of people just going to Times Square. And I knew Paramore was going to be playing oh. there. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get there. I need to get there. Yeah. So me and my brother were just like going straight ahead, just like fast forwarding, fast forwarding. Mm. No. <laughs> pushing forward <laughs> just walking really fast just wanting yeah. to get to Times Square and then I remember my uncle reaching just like catching up to us and reaching over and just say like we need to go back like your grandma is not comfortable with all of these people around us mm. and I was just so mad as a 13 like, year old I was like god damn it this is my freaking favorite band in the freaking world and I'm like where are they gonna play and it's gonna be free and it's gonna be live and they're gonna be there and I'm not gonna be able to see it like can we not just go and you know like you guys split. can go somewhere yeah. else yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so I couldn't watch it I was so annoyed and then I watched it on TRL TRL was still the thing right <laughs> so yeah. I watched it in TRL I was so mad just like oh. it was like perfect I just it was meant to be but then it wasn't oh god damn it that's you know so I understand but yeah that's, that's my frustrating story with Paramore because they never went to Portugal and at the time I was living they in Portugal I never went no I don't think they did I never heard of them going yeah oh, but shit. yeah oh that's sad yeah but that's fine <laughs> Yeah. after a while I was just like nah. I think it was after brand new eyes as well is that is that that's the name of the uh, album yeah. with the butterflies in it yes yeah right. only exception oh, oh god yeah but it was it's after like... that that I stopped listening as yeah well. yeah I think... we grew up I guess I mean this is the thing this is what's interesting about it because and like this article I'm talking about so it's called Hayley Williams blazed a trail for teen angst from teen angst to adult self-acceptance um and it's written by Janessa Williams um and yeah anyway it's a really good read is this because, a family member <laughs> well no this is what she says we share a love of flowers and two of our given names so she was like we have a lot in common um <laughs> but it's really really good so definitely read it but yeah so she was in this relationship for 10 years and obviously like band members left and rejoined and she did whatever and um her relationship fell apart and she released uh, an album, which I didn't really listen to because there was a new Paramore one, um, which I really like wasn't that bothered about um, that came out a couple of years ago. That was very much like very LaRue, like it wasn't original sounding to me at all. And I was like, meh, I can mm. pass. Um, and I think that's when Zach rejoined the band. Oh, he did. Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So he's in the band. So not up to speed. Mm. yeah oh yeah it's confusing and there's more important things that are going on um but <laughs> so she did that and then she released an album which I didn't really listen to which I probably would enjoy but anyway uh she then wrote released this album early this year and it's like stunning like it's so, so nice. yeah there's like the first mm. three songs on it so it's just her own album it's not Paramore yeah it's just her and she wrote and recorded it all herself and performed oh. on all of it herself so it's all her um mm. from her little house in tennessee is it acoustic guitar or it's it's also oh my god i know she lives in tennessee she lives in franklin doesn't she i think she lives or in does nashville. She nashville now yeah yeah oh, she has no. a song called franklin now oh, no. she used oh, to live god. in franklin maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think they all met in franklin oh my god it's so funny because okay. we used to oh, clearly both of us used to completely obsess over them yeah 
yeah um, <laughs> let me get the name of the songs um because i've it's i'm like fairly new to it but yeah so um in ordinary is the first song i heard from it which is sort of middle of the pack which is amazing beautiful very acoustic-y very it, like it reminded me of a couple of the songs you know that they wrote for twilight decode <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what was the other one uh Nobody remembers. I caught myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah, was yeah, my yeah. favourite. Um, <laughs> kind of just like melancholy, kind of. God, it was such a good time, wasn't it? Like, what? we had Twilight, we had Paramore. There was like, they were converging. <laughs> it was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I can't get enough. <laughs> There's no more teen angst nowadays. I Jesus. know. It's just people being sad about real world things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first three songs. There's First Thing to Go, My Limb, and Assisterly. And they all sound very different, very different. Um, but they kind of got this, the same kind of, I mean, it's her voice, but there's none of the like shouting like there's no like her showing off her like beautiful, amazing range. It's all quite mm-hmm. like subdued. Um, but yeah, some of it's like folky, kind of emo, we feel still like the melodies and stuff. I guess it's still her writing it. So it's like, you still get that whole yeah. thing. Um, but they're just so good. And they're really beautifully produced, kind of like, stuff Jenny Stevens he kind of like it reminded my like it would be in like call me by your name or something like that like it's just really mm. like explorative like all these different like themes and you can really tell that she's like talking about herself like this is her life and like her reality and she's writing about it rather than touching on a subject and being objective and writing about it like she's exploring who she is which is what this article talks about that she's kind of like deep diving now into who she is and what the music is that she writes because I guess like she's from the south like all these country and folk influences like they're all like coming through and it's just oh it's just amazing so I really really recommend giving it a listen it's one of those albums that like you wouldn't just listen to one of the songs like the album is quite short it's only like 40 minutes in total all the songs are like two or three minutes um but you can just listen to it on like a cycle it's just like really oh. really nice so yeah. definitely give it a listen Jeez. yeah yeah sounds amazing yeah really really good um well done Haley. and another thing that I did want to touch on which was really interesting about this like evolution of her and who she is and her brand and whatever so obviously misery business mm-hmm. iconic they don't play that anymore they don't play it live anymore because mm. Um, I don't know if you saw this but basically because like the lyrics are like fairly problematic nowadays um, this kind of slut shaming mm-hmm. um, yeah what's this um, Janessa Williams like she put misery business with Paramore's breakthrough song a fairly vindictive and anti-girl tirade reveling in triumphing 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 in mm-hmm. a love triangle which is true and like all this thing you know in the music video where she like rips out the girls like bra padding and like stuff like mm-hmm. that and, at the time you're like yeah because emo like is so misogynistic all these blokes singing about how they can't get girls to like them so they're like Fuck <laughs> you. um it fits into that whole like scene but yeah she said mm-hmm. basically she played it uh, like live and she was like whenever i'm not going to play it again like i, I can't mm. stand by this anymore and i think that's just great that she's like it's really good yeah gone you know what like that was that was of the time but that's not me anymore and well, yeah but well, like she started it. so young she must have yeah. recorded like misery business when she was 18 or something I don't yeah know. she was so young wasn't she yeah so yeah. people change people evolve mm-hmm. maturity yeah but apparently it was based on something that she went through in real life i think somebody oh, okay. at her school 
or some girl at her school was giving her problems uh, in um, the boy department or something. There you go. It, it is based in real life. And there you her go. Conflicts with peeps. So yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But she's. But great. thank you. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's like comfortable to be like you know what like old friend you're an old friend and it's nice mm-hmm. when you're like oh, I still like what you're doing that's great now like <laughs> cool. like I can still support you like it's not crap anymore so um I'm sure to a lot of people all of their music was never crap but for me it's nice to find that her musical journey has aligned with my life you're one again yeah yeah but anyway talked enough about that now so yes. we go next <laughs> taking turns here yeah. yes i do um i'm thinking which one to speak next maybe i can say the the shorter one i'd say mm-hmm. which is out of life uh a film that i watched on netflix uh and it's french and it's by Mahon Baghdadi. <laughs> yeah mm, thanks <laughs> so uh, the story is about this french war photographer that gets kidnapped in beirut and taken by these guerrillas who want to keep him as leverage to use against the french government so they would release some war prisoners that french the, the french government had and you know i expected this to be a story about like violence and how a person is you know kidnapped and really mistreated and all of that but what I didn't expect was how you know they treated him (laughs) Uh, in this story these gorillas had a really strong sense of family and that was the most important value to them and you can see really that motif being carried out throughout the film and do you see that the gorillas you know who constantly (laughs) what are you you talking about gorilla gorilla warfare Oh, yeah. the family of gorillas <laughs> the fam- when you see the family of gorillas <laughs> <laughs> sorry go ahead. no problem when you see these gorillas gorillas um <laughs> when you see some of them changing flip-flopping sides it's interesting to see that in the film those ones end up being killed in the oh. war but this is yeah but it, it kind of I think the point of the movie is to show that, you know, family goes a long way and without it, that you're just, if you're flip-flopping sides and you don't have this unity or this allegiance or trust to to one particular side, that you're going to (laughs) eventually get killed. So if you don't have integrity, you're going to get killed, essentially. Mm -hmm. And those who kept you know, protecting their own and making sure that their family was safe and blah, 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 were the ones who survived. And the gorillas would treat the photographers, the photographer with a lot of kindness. They would play games with him. They would make sure that he was fed, that he went to the toilet and all of that. Uh, Obviously, it's still about to kidnap somebody. But then they would threaten him with things just as a facade. And you would see like the side to them. It was it's a really strange thing to to explain, but it's essentially like they would make these empty threats and they would tell him that they killed somebody that because he spoke to them about fleeing or something to one of the kidnappers and so that they killed that somebody that he was talking to and then in the end he was not dead 
Okay. He was like, oh, hey, how's it going? In the end, like, oh, like he was like, what? You're yeah. not dead? He was like, no, they just gave me a little spanking. And then I was fine. <laughs> and just like, they just don't trust me now, but I'm, I'm good. They just spoke to me. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so you see that they're just like normal people with normal families in mm. the end mm-hmm. that are just really believe in the strong cause and they're not doing this to kill the people that they're kidnapping they're just doing it so they could get back these war prisoners that I guess belong to their family and that they would do anything for their family and that in the end you know this French war photographer ends up being their family and it's sad when they leave each other I find Mm. and and the French photographer you see in the end where he's he's back to France. Sorry to spoil, but he's back back in France, and he's just calling them, calling back the the house that he stayed in, mm. that he was that he stayed in as a kidnappee, <laughs> and seeing if they were there. So mm. it's almost like, yeah, I guess you could say it's that uh, the syndrome thing. Oh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome, but mm. but they treated him so well. Some people didn't, but then nobody liked those people that didn't. Even the kidnappers right. didn't like that person. It was just a really strange film, but like really interesting. And it's just an old film as well. It's uh, made in the nineties, but it was meant to be set in the seventies. So oh okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. It and you can see, I think Tarantino has seen this film because you can see some influences. There are some bits of like kind of irony or comedy in the scenes of like how the shots are laid out and how the scenes are laid out the transitions between the scenes that seem very Tarantino like and I'm like okay "Mm, maybe there are some influences here yeah but yeah that sounds interesting I like those kind of things where you see it's like choosing like the hard option of like being like everyone's a person and these people are all real people and it's far easier to be like everyone's the same and we hate them all and it's a very black and white so that sounds really interesting indeed mm. what else have you been watching reading listening to well it's another watching um as will be there's a big case from now until the end of time um i don't think i'll ever read anything <laughs> that's worth me talking about um other than that guardian article so i guess that counts um but yeah <laughs> well <there. laughs> um so yeah lastly I wanted to talk about something that I actually only watched this morning I just fancied like having a bit of a lie in um and having a quick scroll through iPlayer um but I watched uh the BBC three documentary uh, about Zara McDermott so it's called Zara McDermott revenge porn so it aired uh, end of February this year um so yeah it's available on iPlayer until the end of the year if anyone's in the UK um, and I guess it's on BritBox, which I think is international, but you have to subscribe to it. But I don't know um, for anyone. That Never can... heard of it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's on BritBox. I don't know. I don't think it's going to take off. Anyway, um, so for anyone who's unfamiliar, Zara McDermott, she was a contestant on Love Island in 2018. Um, she's on TV still because she's going out with Sam Thompson, who uh, is one of the regular cast members of Made in Chelsea. Um, and yeah, so when she was in the house in, in Love Island, on the island, um, one of her ex-boyfriends circulated some nude photos of her that she had sent to him whilst they were dating earlier that year. 
Um, I'm so tired of he- hearing these stories. Honestly, uh, I'm just like, oh, again, this, just what a bitch. Yeah. Um, so that all went happen. That all like happened while she was in the house, and it got circulated to like her younger brother and hideous like all over you know you know how things are like whatsapp group chats literally everything it was in the tabloids and she had no idea um until she was voted out and then all the press team were like so this has happened and it was awful for her and you know you know what tabloids are like we've talked about it enough lots of like slut shaming and all this just ridiculous stuff but unfortunately for zara like this was the second time that that happened so when she was 14 she uh was like not very popular so she was bullied quite a lot and so she had these like internal pressures of trying to fit in and then she was also bullied and one of the popular guys in her school messaged her on bbm throwback um and she was like oh my god like this is my in like if i'm friends with him or if we start dating like maybe everyone will start bullying me and i'll just be like respected and he kept texting her and texting her and texting her saying, send me a picture, send me a picture. I want a picture. Like, if you really like me, this picture and we can go out and everything like that. So anyway, she takes a topless picture of herself when she was 14 and he like instantly sends it to like everyone. So by the next morning she's in school and she basically finds out that everyone has it in her school. Other schools have it. And the teachers completely turn their back on her. Like she gets suspended and they were like not interested at all and it was awful and it was quite a small community in Essex that she's from and she said that like her parents were having other parents like shouting abuse at them like oh your kid your girl's the one that like how could you let her do that like she's so stupid and all of this stuff and she said it basically like she internalized all of this and it just has really low self-confidence and you know like yeah it's just awful um so it kind of starts with her talking about that and that experience um and her just saying like the rage that she felt that these two guys have literally suffered zero consequences like I mean the names aren't even in the documentary which means that they weren't they suffered serious consequences yeah yeah like they were they their names aren't even out in the public so they are just living their lives as normal while Zara is the person that's had nudes like everyone that everyone knows about like awful awful um but what's interesting about it is that she talks about it with sam thompson and she's like quite open about the fact that obviously she consensually sent these photos but that the consent stopped when he sent that around and whether there's anything that you can legally do about it and what other you know if other parents other people have experienced it and she talks to people that had the same like similar experiences when they were children because like 14 year old child um to other people that like families where someone had committed suicide um because of the threat of nudes and sex videos being sent out and things like that um but it's just really interesting to watch because it's not just someone sitting there like oh this happened to me like posing questions like she really looks into it um and like the legality of it so revenge porn is illegal and you see there's a woman who had a she broke up with her boyfriend and they had sex like one more time and he set it up and filmed it and sent it to everyone that she worked with and literally everywhere Um, and he got sentenced to four years in prison for it because apparently for it to be revenge porn it has to be done with the intent of like damaging reputation or embarrassing someone so she was saying that because she consensually sent it it makes it like quite a gray area 
because you don't know you can never prove why someone shares those things like shares images and whatever but it's just really really interesting and it's definitely kind of reminded me of this issue and I think yeah, but just because somebody shares doesn't mean they want to expose exactly yeah, anyway yeah. exactly but this is what she's saying that, that the law doesn't help See you <laughs> yeah and it was interesting with all the Sarah Everard stuff that that sparked off and all the um, women's rights things that are being talked about a lot more there was a uh, survey that the government was asking were asking people to fill out in February um, that I filled out as well and it was about like what you class as harassment what you think should be illegal like what are the main issues and she was saying that revenge porn like uh, people reporting it have like doubled in the last year and it's just exponentially rising that people are like having more and more of these things be an issue yet it's such a gray area that people feel like what's the point in even me saying anything because as soon as you say well I sent it to someone it's like you know oh you, sh you really shouldn't have done that like people were saying to her like even her boyfriend Sam Thompson he was like well you did it once when you were 14 like why would you do it again and she's like well it's my body I can I can do what I want and people are like well you know on Instagram your Instagrams are really sexual and she's like yeah but I'm choosing to do what I like it's my body I'm consenting to do that that's for me what you then choose to do is out of my hands like that's where the contract ends like it should be between two people it's intimate um but she was just yeah she was just especially your boyfriend like what kind of boyfriend yeah. is that like yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's just yeah like she she said she was like well we'll have to just agree to disagree and I was like that's gonna be an argument later um, no. I mean he didn't say it in like an undermining they way should just was, break up <laughs> yeah well but yeah it's really interesting and I think generally BBC three have had some really good documentaries recently like hour-long documentaries so there was one and they're all kind of with uh like influencers or like young celebrities that people are like finally kind of taking seriously so there was um the documentary documentary the documentary um with Roman Kemp which came out earlier the year, in the year about um, his friend that committed suicide. And it was all about male suicide and male mental health and him exploring the guilt that's left behind and talking openly and how men need to be talking about how they're feeling more and being able to be comfortable with sharing that. So that was really good, really obviously awfully sad, um, but really good. And then there was also Freddie Flintoff's, which was, so Freddie Flintoff, the cricketer, um, who was like 42 I think and he's had bulimia for 20 years and he never talked about it until this documentary came out and he was like and it what was interesting about this one is that he went through we watched the entire documentary and he still didn't have treatment and he didn't want to have treatment because in his head he was like well I can handle this like I'm fixing it and he's like I want to get better but I I can't commit to saying to you I'm going to seek help because I've been living with it for 20 years and these people were trying to say to him you know you cannot you don't have to live with it at all but it's just interesting because I feel like these are touching on topics that are really really important and they're using people that need that we're going to watch so it's all well and good like love Louis Theroux and I love Stacey Dooley and I love all these investigative journalists it's all well and good having them discuss things but by having a celebrity or someone who speaks directly to the people who are fans of them like like you know you young male suicide 
someone like Roman Kemp, who's on the radio every day and who's in I'm a Celeb, like people would choose to watch him. So hearing it from him, it's so much more effective than hearing it mm-hmm. from someone who is just like talking about it, not living it. But anyway, I really recommend those. Um, they're not too depressing. Like they're <laughs> not ones that you watch and you're like, actually, that was a massive ordeal. Like, don't do it. They're just informative and really well made and important things to watch and I'm glad that they're being made and as much as I find the BBC problematic I am pleased that they're bringing BBC3 back to television so it won't just be online anymore so that's good so maybe these things will be circulated wider not just within the millennial community um Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. that's really interesting because your story reminded me of you know the guilting the woman for something the guy did mm-hmm. <laughs> right right um that reminded me of justin timberlake's thing with janet jackson do you know how he tore off his uh or her boob part yeah. <laughs> yeah. of a costume back in the super bowl in like when was it 2004 yeah um and then all of the press all of the media jumped on Janet for what had happened Oof, but like yeah. she wasn't the one who pulled it off herself it was Justin Timberlake yeah. mm-hmm. and she was essentially cancelled because of that and Justin got away like like with it and he didn't suffer any consequences and the meanwhile she was just you know her reputation was being torn and you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. just bad it's just bad yeah because he's terrible he apologized didn't he after the um after the britney spears documentary he kind of yeah tweet, t- okay. apologized he tweeted i guess going oops songs and it's like yeah yeah oops i did it again <laughs> yeah like well done yeah. well done apologizing oh, now you're like one of the highest paid stars in hollywood like you could have done mm-hmm. it then and it would have meant something now it's kind of empty because you've you've gone it, it I've made was so long ago stars. isn't it yeah yeah yeah, poor Janet. And yeah, there's a video on it on YouTube by Johnny Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and the name of the video is How Justin Timberlake Escaped Hashtag Nipplegate. And he goes in depth into all of this and what happens in the media at the time and how Janet was po- prosecuted by the media and all of that. And Justin was just like, hey, I guess the media just likes to to, to talk about what I do. <laughs> and that was all oh, that he said yeah. and that was all that the media asked him like yeah. like that was yeah anyway watch it because it's really good yeah and yeah and really interesting how the how the name as well of the video how justin timberlake escaped hashtag nipplegate mm-hmm. it's about justin doing something it's not about janet exposing herself and yes. the media was saying at the time that she had exposed herself and it wasn't, it was Justin that exposed yeah. her. Exposed her. Yeah. It was just really interesting and just really annoying that this has been happening for so long. Yeah. And still does. Yeah, yeah. still going on. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, send me the link. We'll pop it in. The description. Soon. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to round off with your number three? Yeah, my number three is a big one. And obviously it relates to Alexei Navalny. Mm-hmm. Or however you say his last name, I believe it is the how it is that way, mm-hmm. and it's about um, the documentary that Alexei and his team made, and that was released when he was incarcerated. Um, 
and it's called Putin's Palace, and it's published on Alexei's YouTube channel, and it's in Russian, and it's a two-hour-long documentary. So watch it with subtitles. Don't it. Couldn't understand a thing unless you speak Russian. Then good for you. <laughs> so much better for you. <laughs> um, but it's essentially like Alexei and his team go investigating a Putin's palace. So this Putin's palace is actually well known, well known within the Russian society because there was already a controversy around that. I just don't remember quite what happened in related to that, but I think the media has portrayed it in the way that makes it seem like Putin doesn't actually own the property. But in fact, Alexei shows that he does. And essentially it's this it's about this huge palace that he started building like 15 years ago, Putin really. And that it's still not done. Apparently it had mold issues and that made them have to rebuild the whole thing, which is funny and karma. And this place was essentially funded by the people of Russia by this huge web of proxy owners of different all different countries that all lead to Putin and have associations with Putin and you know family members or people or his mistresses and all of that sort of thing. The palace is on an estate that has over 17,000 square meters, which is a whole freaking lot. <laughs> it's really big and it's protected by this long ass fence and has security checkpoints. It has a no flying zone, so you can't fly there. And since it's built near a cliff facing the Baltic Sea, they created a company that was an oyster farming, whatever you call it, a company mm-hmm. to uh, to say that they have that oyster farm in front of this property so that no boat could cross it. Oh, right. I know, right? So tricky. Mm. And... <laughs> It also has a system of tunnels underneath that cliff that take you to the beach or it has a window. There's a window in the cliff edge as well that shows that obviously there's a system of tunnels inside. (laughs) And yeah. Uh, Yeah, very much so. Like very much so. It has two helipads, a hockey rink. Uh, It has furniture more expensive than your mama. (laughs) Has <laughs> uh, it is all in the style of this French king Louis XVI, which is funny because he was the last king of France, um, and it's cost over one point three billion dollars by now to build it, and probably more really, and it has like this huge mansion for visitors next to this huge palace. Like, like what? Um. So his team, essentially, what they did was to fly a drone over the palace. And obviously, they had to be really sneaky and do this in a very sneaky 007 way. They had to and get into the, to the place where they got the boat. They had to change phones multiple times. They had to make several different stops. They had to, like, get the government off of their tail, essentially, to be able to to get on this boat to go over there mm. and I think they tried it twice before and they didn't make it and then obviously they're still alive but they didn't make mm-hmm. it 
make their mission. And this third time they were able to fly the drone over there. And they saw that the, that the mansion was being re- rebuilt. And there were loads of people working on it. And apparently because, you know, the mansion has like really expensive stuff inside and the workers there know it's for Putin. The workers started leaking stuff, photographs of the inside of, of the plants of the place and the construction plants of the place or plants. Um, and it's essentially just a two hour documentary just showing how all of these companies that he set up are funding this palace for Putin and that all relates to Putin and that there's just this ginormous web of people that have companies that are essentially, that are not making money, but are just for deviating money towards Putin. Putin, Putin, more like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting. It's really interesting because they go really into each person that is involved in the scheme. Mm. They go really into the background of each person that is involved in the scheme, Mm. in each company. And they've got like this uh, vineyards as well that is funded by Putin, but, you know, by these proxy companies or whatever. Uh, Really interesting. Really interesting. And I can see why Putin would want him poisoned. (laughs) Let's just say that. (laughs) There's a lot. Great lengths, isn't it? Yeah. To expose it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It really puts Putin in a bad light, I think, after (laughs) the stock. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that he managed to get it out there so that people can mm-hmm. see it. Because I guess, like, you choose a private company, so as much as you can... Yeah, but it's not... Yeah. Want something removed. They're a private company. They're not loyal to any government, are they, really? Obviously yeah. Trump, so... They are in themselves their own government, I guess. <laughs> yes. It's good that we've got platforms like YouTube, really, that as much as mm-hmm. we get irked, that they're becoming more and more professional um they obviously serve a purpose and they you can't shut down stuff freedom of speech is still in some form or another yeah valid. i see yeah at least still exists valid until something's taken down but it's still yeah you know, there's still the choice there how oh, do you get on cool. watching something in with subtitles like that like I, i'd find that really difficult it, it was a bit difficult it, you get used to it, but it was a bit difficult because sometimes the subtitles wouldn't allow a line with what he was saying. So once the title would go through way too fast, I would oh, have to like pause it, go back a little bit and then watch it again. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when I like he was just speaking way too fast, I would just pause it and like read it properly. Read it. Yeah. Commit. Uh, it's two hours. So you can just like phase it out because there's a few chapters inside it. I go okay. into a different topic, but that relates to the same thing. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Really interesting. Really yeah. cool. Great. Good choice. It, it, and I think it's the most viewed video of all time right now. Oh, is it? I, I think so. Always oh, really getting there. It's got yeah. over a, a hundred uh, million views. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Good. I don't know if it's I mean, the most, that's great. but it, but it's great but it's that a lot, a lot of people yeah. are watching it for something yeah. of that format. That's amazing. Like yeah, well, a long Russian uh, <laughs> documentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a language that isn't English, that is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great! Help me form. Yeah, it. very mm. good. Lovely. 
Well, that's it, isn't it? That's it yeah. from, from us. I mean, we did chat like two hours about <laughs> yeah. all of their stuff. Yeah. But, and it, it has felt more natural and more interactive, which was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Hopefully you listeners felt that too. Well, that's it for showing up 2.0, new format. <laughs> Hashtag new you. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm excited for what's going to come now that we've reinvigorated what the podcast is. So hopefully you've enjoyed it and found it more engaging. Um, so yeah, we can't wait to continue on this way and see where it'll take us. So don't forget to listen to our bonus episode for our new challenge, um, which will be fun and interesting. And yes, you should definitely listen. So see you over there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> and follow us on our Instagrams, even though Eva's off it. I'm sure she'll get back into it eventually when she's ready. And you can reach out to her at Starry Night Disco. And you can reach me at Babs and Stuff. And don't forget to leave us a roaring review and rate us from hot or not. I'm joking, but if you want to give us five stars, that'd be great. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're excited to be back. And that is it. So yeah. goodbye. Goodbye. See you next week. <laughs> Bye.